Canucks Central Wednesday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah in the Mobile Kintech studio. As we're at the Hyatt Regency ahead of the JCC Sports Dinner tonight. And Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Maine or at Enzyme Pacific Chrysler. .ca. It's uh, a day after a Canucks loss. It's happening a lot more lately, Seth. Uh, yeah, uh, they've lost more. They've been 500 since the All-Star break. So yeah. this is what losing feels games. This is what losing feels like. <laughs> is this what it's like? Well, we went through this in November, December, and uh, I, I do remember having to calm the masses <laughs> and say, "Hey, you know, teams go through stretches where they play just about 500 hockey." Uh, and uh, I think that stretch lasted about 14 or 15 games uh, through November and December. It was a very heavy stretch of games, which also just so happens to be the case right now for the Vancouver Canucks. But losing 4-3 in overtime to the Pittsburgh Penguins, it was uh, – we're going to get to the Open in a second, but, you know, it felt like a game where they were so good in the first period, it almost felt like they got a little too um, – I don't know if arrogant is the right word after the first period, but things got a lot sloppier after the first period. They got a little too careless with the puck. It, it just it felt too easy in the first, and then they were trying to get a little too cute for my liking through the second and third periods and ended up coughing up their lead on two occasions. Took their foot off the gas enough for Sidney Crosby to muscle – his yes. way back into the game, right? He's like still pretty good, hey? He's really good, you yeah. know, and, you know, I was debating with fans who was the better player, JT or, or uh, Crosby last night. They're, they're the two best players on the ice. Like, yeah. I, I don't care how you want to, you know, say who was better or whatever, but Sidney Crosby was incredible, and they gave him an opportunity to take over, and he did in the second period, right? And then in the third, the Canucks just could never match the desperation that Pittsburgh had, and it leads to a point lost. And I think the standards are such now that, that irks you, yes, because because you know what this team is capable of and what they should be doing. So giving a point away, even though it's Crosby, even though it's a team that's hungry, obviously trying to fight for their playoff lives and convince their general manager not to sell ahead of the trade deadline, which is nine days away now. So you have to just be able to match that intensity, and that's something the Canucks weren't able to do. And I think that's the main lesson for me. And I know the coach talked about puck management. I think that comes back to managing the intensity and desperation of other teams. It's not going to get easier, yeah. especially with a team like L.A. coming in. Do you think it's, they're going to let up even though they have their injuries? They are not. I mean, they've lost a couple here on their Western Canada road swing. They need to get some victories and solidify their spot in the postseason. And they're still in a pretty comfortable position despite all of their struggles after their hot start. But, you know, they haven't exactly found another gear since making a coaching change. I think tomorrow night's game against L.A. is going to be super interesting at Rogers Arena. It'll be the first of uh, two games in quick succession against the L.A. Kings for the Vancouver Canucks. All right, let's get to it. It's the new segment here on Canucks Central. Started yesterday. It is the Open. Welcome to the Open. Oh, that's your home. Are you too good for your home? Answer me. Uh, yes, uh, the Open, where uh, we give you the latest and greatest on the Vancouver Canucks and share our takes, inside info, whatever it may be on the Vancouver Canucks here on 
Canucks Central. And you look at this stretch, the Canucks have lost five of their last six now. They are 500 since the All-Star break, 12 points in 12 games. It's been a difficult stretch of games, a heavy stretch of games. But one thing is clear, in the month of February, there is one player right now carrying the mail for the Vancouver Canucks. It is JT Miller. He has nine goals for the month. It's only bested by Nick Suzuki and Austin Matthews right now in the entire National Hockey League. He has been by far the best player for the Vancouver Canucks. Not much of a debate there. Not Pedersen, not Hughes, not Demko. It is JT Miller putting this team on his shoulders right now. And people are saying, well, what does it say about the team that JT is on this run and and they are just mediocre? They are just with 12 points in 12 games. Well, to that I say it's more on everybody else. You know, when Pedersen was second star of the month in January, Sad, he had 14 goals. But you know what? There was three or four other Canucks that had six goals apiece. There Mm -hmm. were other guys going with him at the time. Right now, it just feels like JT is the one going. Hughes isn't playing as well as he has in previous months. Pedersen isn't going as much as we've talked about that. It's just you can't do it on your own. And right now, it feels like JT is the lone guy that's super hot for the Vancouver Canucks right now. I think it, in, in some ways it shows a depth the Canucks have had this year where you have all these players playing at such a high level. You had Patterson earlier this year. He led the league in scoring for a while. You know, yep. Lest we forget. I know people kind of forget Seriously, these things at some yes. point this season. Brock Besser at one point was tied with Austin Matthews for the most goals in the yep. National Hockey League. Canucks winning a lot of games, right? Thatcher Demko had one of the hottest starts we've seen in recent years to the National Hockey League season. Kevin Woodley was talking about how, how it's so extraordinarily extra, how it's ex- so extraordinary that it's bound to come down a little bit, but even if it comes down, he'll still be incredible, and that's what we've seen so far from him. And Quinn Hughes, I think, is still leading the leading candidate to win the Norris Trophy. His game, however, has dipped a little bit. But you saw him play at a peak. And that's not to say JT hasn't. And this is the thing about JT that makes his season so incredibly impressive is outside of a bit of a stretch there, it was when when they went through those games against Buffalo and Columbus. And I know he was picking up points, but he wasn't really playing great. You know, like there were games where you watched me like, hey, JT doesn't quite look like he's on top of his game. And, And then they came and played Washington and Detroit and Chicago. Wasn't really at his best. But the last... Like five, six games, he's really torqued it back up again. Yeah. He had like a six or seven game segment, whereas it's been a bit longer stretch here for Pedersen, for instance. Even Quinn, I'd say, extends to about 12, 13 games where his game's kind of not been at where it need, needs to be. But JT's been consistent. He had 55 points in the, in the first 41 games this season. Yeah. And he's a stronger second half player. Two years ago, he had 60 points in the last 41. Yeah. Last year, he really struggled in the first half and then closed it off strong with 46 points in the last 41. He's putting together a strong start and a strong finish. And I think this is the best version of JT Miller you're probably going to get. He's been uh, everything you want JT Miller to be, right? He's been the most valuable player for this team in the last little while. Uh, Rick Tockett has backed that up when he's spoken about him. He has singled out JT in uh, a couple of his most recent news conferences after games where uh, you know Rick Tockett's like, well, JT was driving play, but we need other guys to come along with him. And, Look, you can debate amongst yourselves who those other guys are, but it's almost everybody on this roster right now, especially when you look at 
the other star players. This isn't a knock on those guys. Guys go through ups and downs over the course of the season. You're not going to be constantly hot throughout the entirety of an 82 games, but they just this, this team, they need another guy to go with Miller. If you're looking at just the three, the big three skaters, Miller, Pedersen, Hughes, they need two of the three probably to be going. When they didn't have two of the three going earlier this year, maybe you had the Bluger line going, and that filled the gap. They've had these moments where if there is a lull somewhere in the lineup, somebody else steps up, and just right now you're not you're not getting that. It feels like... You know, uh, the Blue Jays last year with, with Bo Bichette. He's going off. He's doing everything. But you know what? Bo Bichette can only do so much on his own. You need other guys to hit around him in the lineup. Solo home runs aren't helping anybody when you're losing games 3-1 anyway. So that's kind of what it feels like a little bit for the Vancouver Canucks right now where you've got JT going, carrying the team, and everybody else is just – not sharp right now, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, and honestly, I don't really have any concerns. Like, I think they'll probably, these guys are going to get, are going to get back on track. And I think the main reason for confidence in that is over these past 12 games where the Canucks have gone 6-6, six and six, their underlying numbers are amongst the best in the National Hockey League. Mm. You look at scoring chance differentials, high danger scoring chance differentials. Yep. You look at um, even the expected goals. Now, the expected goals percentage, again, I don't put a ton of trust into. I think it's a, a good tool that helps you, but you have to be careful. But if you even look at it contextually within you know within one and different situations, the Canucks are a top five or six team. So over these past 12 games, have the Canucks even been as bad as we think they've well, been? Well, five on five, they've been fine. And they've that's the good. thing. Five well, on five, for the most part, they've been good. It's the special teams. And that's where I think you're, you're seeing the struggles of individual players come through. Patterson not, not being at his best. Hughes not being at his best, whereas JT has been. In the past five games, JT has 11 points, too. Yeah. So it's been these past five, he's really kind of gone red hot. But I do think from an overall team standpoint, you're going through a stretch here where JT's the one guy going. Your team's struggling to score on the power play. And your worst hockey is still 500. Yeah. That's not bad. And, not and the bad, underlying numbers place to be. and the underlying numbers don't suggest that the floor is about to fall, you know, it's about to cave in. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's something that should be seen as encouraging. That's why I I'm completely nonplussed about this. Yeah. At all. Like I'm not concerned about this at all in terms of their last little struggle here, Pedersen's game or whatever. There's no warning sign to me that's scary. Yeah. Unless you think the shooting percentage thing, you're like, it's going to really crater and they're going to have a lot of bad luck and that's what's going to, the boogeyman that's going to get you. Sure. Injuries, we all know, could always be the X factor. But outside of that, like, I'm not really concerned. Their process looks good and the things they have to clean up are very easily yep. addressed. Like, they can be easily addressed. Like, how about this? Don't put your stick in people's faces. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind of hard to. Uh, disagree with the penalty call on Tyler Myers last night. Even the uh, little bit of a leg sweep from Nikita Zadorov, the penalty that preceded that. They're still, and Rick Tockett was asked yet again about that today, they're still taking too many penalties. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're not as sharp. Call it fatigue, call it whatever you want, but they're not as sharp as they have been. Is that, hey, we can see the finish line a little bit. We're pretty comfortable in first place in the Pacific Division. Sure, but this team, they don't or can't really afford to get comfortable at any point. For as much as, yes, Hughes and Pedersen and Miller, they all had success in the bubble playoffs, uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and say 
that brings me a ton of confidence that they'll be able to carry that playoff experience yeah. into this playoff that is upcoming. They are 22 games away from the playoffs. They've got to find a way to get these guys going. Am I worried about it? No, but I think it's a big part of why they've been 500. And I also think the conversation, like when I put out the the stat about JT leading the way today on on Twitter and you know, he needs a running mate to go with him right now if the Canucks are going to break free from this little bit of a 500 sl- I don't know. 500 isn't even really a slump, but for this team it is. For this team it is. If you're one of the best teams in the league, sure. Um, if you're going to break out of this 500 spell, he's going to need a running mate at some point. And people immediately just piled on Elias Pettersson. And I get it. But I, I think there's a, a hilarious contrast in all of this, Sat, where I guess 12 months ago, maybe even 14 months ago, how this market was feeling towards JT Miller, how the team had very obviously made their choice that they were keeping JT and moving on from the captain at the time, Bo Horvat, and didn't seem like there was a ton of people on board with that. And JT wasn't playing his best hockey. He was still putting up points, but wasn't as good as we're seeing him right now. Not really anywhere close to it. And then last night, Rogers Arena in full voice chanting JT Miller's name. The only thing they stopped short of was an MVP chant for JT Miller last night. The contrast being how that negativity has seemingly shifted to Elias Patterson. Yeah, I, I think it's very interesting that we're, we see similar things happen. And I think there's a lesson there to be learned if people are willing to learn it. Right. Is that in the moment, sometimes things are not as bad as you think. Yep. And even though players go through struggles, there are times where they figure it out and get better. And every player goes through some ups and downs. And ultimately, it comes down to whether you believe in a player's talent or not. And if you believe in JT's talent, you're willing to live through the ups and downs. You were willing to live through last year, right? If you believe in Patterson's talent, you're willing to live through the moments where it's not great. Now, we're, we are going to get to the roundup here yep. pretty quick, and there's a lot of Patterson content there because I thought talking was fantastic in terms of breaking it down. But I think the lesson here is let's look at JT and his ups and downs like you mentioned, and this could be Patterson next year. Patterson, what if he gets stronger in a year or two? Mm-hmm. What if Patterson gets more consistent? Yeah. So you're talking about a 110-point player, 120-point player maybe that could be consistent, who at 26, 27, maybe becomes even better as a two-way player. Do you not believe there's a possibility, a strong one, of that happening in a couple of years? A hundred percent. And that is exactly why you keep Elias Pettersson, you, unless, you know, <laughs> the player doesn't want to be here, which we don't know. I'm just saying the only reason you wouldn't keep a player like Elias Pettersson yes. is if that player says... I don't have interest in staying here long term. You see it all across the league. You see it with uh, even quarterbacks in the NFL like, hey, do we have the best quarterback in the league? No. Do we have a top seven, eight quarterback in the league? Yes. Well, we're keeping that guy, <laughs> and we're going to pay him $40 bucks a year because that's just the going rate for players of that nature. Are you trading Trevor Lawrence if you were the Jaguars because no. you had a down year? No, you're not. You live with it. You live with it. If you're the Minnesota Vikings, up like, yeah, Kirk Cousins has some problems, but you know what? He's our guy. He's the best we got. 
Josh nodding his head in <laughs> approval. All right, uh, that is the open for today on JT Miller. You can share your comments on JT leading the charge right now for the Vancouver Canucks, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We take it forward to the Canucks Central Roundup. A little bit of a take on some of the biggest news bits of the day from the Vancouver Canucks, and they did skate, they did practice. Rick Tockett spoke with the media and spoke at length about Elias Pettersson. He was asked what he thinks of Pettersson's play recently. Here's what he had to say on Elias Pettersson. I think, um, you know, we have 22 games or whatever left to get his game going, you know. Um, you know, I, and I maybe I got to do a better job of getting him going in certain spots. Um, you know, I, I, sometimes moving around a little bit will help. But um, I think the power play has hurt his five-on-five play for some reason. The confidence of the, fi- the power play has kind of cost his confidence a little bit on five-on-five. And um, we've had some good talks. Actually, he's had a good headspace. I just talked to him in the last, in the last couple of days about he's had, he feels good about his head right now. So that's a good thing. But, you know, you can't worry about if a bad power play is going to affect your five-on-five play. You can't. you just got to be able to stick with it and, um, you know, be that, you know, he's got to be a, a play driver for us, you know. He admits at times he's felt fatigued, and like you've made a comment to us after a few games recently that some guys look tired. It, do you see that some games as well during this stretch? Uh, yeah. Yes, I have. But, you know, Pete is still learning. He's 25. He's still trying to learn. He hasn't played much playoffs. Like, he's got to understand there's a lot of things. But, you know, to me at practice, that's where, you know, I think he's changed his mindset a little bit. He, you know, he would rest in practice because he wanted to fresh for the games. But he has to understand practice is really important, and you've got to push the pace. That's how you deal with pressure. So um, I think he's starting to understand that. You're seeing a change in his practice then? He's practiced a lot better for me uh, the last two, three weeks. And I think that will help him in the long run. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer you practice hard. You, you know, you have to practice really hard. You'll get days off. I'll get you a rest. But and, um, I think sometimes he was resting because, he, you know, he knew he was going to play a lot. and He was resting for the games. I think you got to be careful of that. There is uh, Rick Tockett when asked about Elias Pettersson today. He, his first comment on Pettersson's play, he's been okay. Uh, he's been a little bit sporadic um, is the two words that stood out. And he went on to discuss getting him ready for the playoffs. I thought some of the more interesting things were how there may be trying to work with Pedersen on his practice habits, get him to be more engaged in practice. Look, managing your body over an 82-game season, it is – sort of always a work in progress. You're kind of always tweaking to see what works and what doesn't work. How are you going to feel best on game day? Because ultimately that's what matters most. But seemingly the coach feels there could be more for Pedersen to give during practice time. I think that was a kind way of him saying he needs to get stronger, better conditioned, and worked harder. And he didn't mean it as, you know, he's not working hard, he doesn't care. It's more about you probably need to up your level right. so you don't have to pace yourself as much in practice. Yeah. That, that's kind of the, the takeaway I had listening to that. Right. 
And I think it's a fair thing. And this, it goes back to something we talked about about Pedersen. I don't think he's physically hit his maturity level yet. I think for a guy who's already 25, there's a lot of more growth in his frame and his body. And I think part of it is you have to be strong enough to go through the rigors. And then if you get beat up a lot, the issue isn't so much by your conditioning, but your body's like sore. You, you, you're in pain. Yeah. It takes you a bit longer to recover. And, and those things make you want to slow down a little bit. And I think it comes down to that aspect of Pedersen's game where there's another level he can reach in. It's not really a secret that Pedersen's play has been okay of late. You know, the numbers are still there. I think he does have 11 points in the 12 games that they've played through the month of February, but he hasn't been as good as he can be. And I do feel this is a bit of a challenge from from Rick Tockett, and he says it there, we've got to get him. We've got 22 games to get him going and get him ready for the playoffs. It feels like a bit of a challenge here to get Pedersen to that next level because ultimately the coach knows if we're going to have success in the playoffs, I've got to get this guy to Mm. another level so that he can help us get through the postseason. Yeah, and I I think that was the interesting part about things, but how much is the distraction part playing in? That's something Pedersen has admitted to in the past – listening too much on the noise and maybe letting it get to him a little bit. He's said that on this very radio station when uh, talking with you in interviews in the past, Sat. So it was interesting to hear Rick Tockett get asked about that today on whether or not Pedersen is being affected by some of the outside noise. All right, we'll try uh, to get that clip. There it is. Like that. So, as a coach, you know, we don't really talk. I don't, I've never really talked about contract with him. He's he asked me one time, "How do you deal with outside noise?" That was a while ago. But uh, you know, I think for him, you know, he's in a, in a market that's there's a lot of noise, and I think he's dealt really well with it. So, you know, you know, I know he's good at when he gets away from rink and away from things. So I told him, you know, whatever you're doing away from the rink, you know, that when you're playing your best hockey, start to do. When he asked you that. What was your advice? How to keep the outside noise out? Well, he can only control what he can control, right? And that's, you know, when he comes today, okay, how am I going to get better? You know, uh, that's my big thing. You know, is it grabbing Yozy, watching video? Is it going out early practice? Is it going in the gym? And then is it, after that, you know, can you shut your brain off when you leave, leave the rink? That's the hard part. And I think that, uh, or, 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 or use your teammates to help or, or whatever other resources. You know, we have a mental health skills guy. He was excellent here. You know, um, use him. Like, there's a lot of resources to, to use to block out noise. Rick, swinging back to JT, yeah. um, he's arguably playing some of the best hockey of his career. And in the past, we've seen that passion that he plays with kind of go sideways. What's been the big key for you in terms of him keeping mm-hmm. that on point this year? Just communicating. You know, if he, if, I, you know, if he feels he's going a little sideways or whatever the word you want to use it or, or I feel it, it's communication. You know, it's getting to Millsy or he, him getting to me and talking it out I think he's done a really good job the last two weeks of doing that if something has bothered him or the team's done something that he doesn't like you know he gets to it right away in, in a good way you know it's it's it, and that's what, what I like it's not negative it's not combative it's it's getting to it and I think you know I got to give him a lot of credit because it's all him you know he's really done a good job of working with that there is uh Rick Tockett on Elias Pettersson Potentially being affected by the outside noise, Sat. And as I mentioned earlier, it's it's something Pedersen has admitted to in the past. We've sort of pondered whether or not all of this 
around the contract could be affecting his play, having his mind not fully focused on the games and where he needs to be. And now the coach sharing with us that he feels that it has affected Pedersen to an extent. Yeah, I mean, obviously something you have to deal with in a Canadian market or any market for a team that's really considered a contender, there's going to be more interest in it. You are going to go through moments, right? And the noise isn't always just media noise either. All these players are have social media, different platforms. They see things in different ways. So even if it's not a Canadian market, you're a star player and not playing well, the fan base is going to react to you, right? Obviously, it's, it's a bigger market, and it's Canadian market, so a lot of things will be enhanced, undoubtedly. But it's something you're, you're going to have to overcome one, overcome one way or another. And clearly, it's still part of his game that he has to improve on. I know people will look at these things and think the big picture contract stuff, but I think forget that. Just look at it as these are still areas of growth for him, and he's still a really talented player, but I, I think these are things he's very capable of overcoming and will overcome. But I think you look at his play, he looks like a guy who's overthinking a lot on the ice, not reacting as naturally yeah. as you normally see. And when you see those things, you wonder one of a couple things. One, are you, is he right physically yeah. or whatever it is? And the other one is, is he distracted? Yeah. And at times, it looks like he has a lot in his head, and I think part of it could be what's going on outside. But even as the coach mentioned, maybe they're overthinking things on the power play. Yeah. You know, I, th I think there's a lot of thought without action, and I think that's some of the things that you got to learn to do. Like, think of it. You ever go through a day where you're, you're obsessing over something mentally? Yeah. How exhausted are you by the end of it? So exhausted. Like, you're completely done. Yeah. And... Eh. There's forcing things on the power play. Like, there's just a lot of things you see in Pedersen's game that make you wonder. A couple of texts coming in. Austin Langley, how do you keep out the outside noise? <laughs> Another text. I can think of one thing Petey can do to block out the outside noise. Uh, what they are referring to is just sign a contract, and <laughs> the outside noise will maybe quiet down a little bit. Uh, hearing the jokes, loving the jokes, loving the comments on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. A couple more quick things on the Canuck Central Roundup before we get to Kevin Woodley. D-Pair's getting a bit of a shakeup at practice today. Philip Peronik bumped down to the third pair and with Nikita Zadorov, Noah Juleson bumped up to play with Quinn Hughes. Now, I think Hughes, uh, he's still been fine, he's still been good, still been their best defenseman, but hasn't been as otherworldly as we've seen him at other times. Maybe that's uh, – I just wanted to say that. I don't mean it in any sort of negative context, okay? I, Hughes is still the MVP of this team over the course of the season, but he's just not playing as their number one player right now. And I think it showed last night, holding on to pucks too much, and even Philip Ronick making some questionable decisions at times with some of his defensive reads and his play with the puck as well. Uh, power play units remaining the same, so still splitting up the two groups for the time being. And injury updates, Susie is seeing the dock today. Canucks hoping for good news there. Dakota Joshua seeing a doctor later this week to maybe get further evaluated as to when he could be closer to returning. It is the Canucks Central Roundup, and it closes out the Open here on Canucks Central. Up next, Kevin Woodley on Sportsnet 650.